there is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to change the station. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will bring it to a whisper. For the next hour, sit quietly and we shall control all that you hear. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. And now, it's time for the radio show that covers just about every topic. Because variety is the spice of life. From the arcane and unusual to current events and practical tips. Because if it's interesting, they'll be talking about it. And now, here's Bill and Allison Mancaro. Thank you, Harley. Thank you very much. Yeah, we've got a really interesting show today, don't we, Allison? Thank you, Harley. Yes. We are packed. It's 9.09 on a Saturday morning. We are packed with stuff today, so let's get right to it well and one thing I, uh, before you oh, i can't get right to it <laughs> you can't get, get right, right to, to it. it what uh harley has been talking about del rio and uh, for those of you who, who heard him i don't know if you also heard that al sharpen was booed off the stage in del rio that the locals said we don't want your racism wow cool <laughs> very cool good for you del rio good for you uh, 909 on a Saturday morning this September 25. Wow, September has flown by fast. So savor the rest of the summer, by the way. Savor it. Our verse for the day that we open our show with is from Isaiah 41. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. What a great verse to memorize, isn't it, Nelson? Yes, it certainly is. I said we should savor the rest of the summer and, and fall. It's coming. Uh, is it fall yet? I haven't paid attention. Did, did it turn yet? <laughs> is, it sub, is it September 21st? Well, I, well then it's the 25th. I Boy, I, I should know. I, I don't know. know. We're only in the radio business. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, I did a, get a fall card from our a, friend. There's a calendar. Oh, oh, maybe that's why he sent it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah you got a, be- a beautiful uh, fall card the other day. Yeah, from a friend in England. Yeah. Uh, who is uh, with the Jive Aces? He's the uh, saxophone player with the Jive Aces who, that we play on the on this show every once in a while, an English uh, swing band, and they're coming to Kerrville in April. That's they are we're very excited. We're doing some free publicity for them, and uh, we're going to get together with them. But uh, I said we should savor the rest of the summer and the fall. This winter is going to be frigid and flaky, similar to February's deadly storm, according to the Old Farmer's Almanac. And the Old Farmer's Almanac has been predicting weather for almost 200, over 200 years with an 80% accuracy rate over that period of time. They predicted last February's uh, deep freeze here in Texas. And now they're saying we're going to get another one uh, in uh, this February. Or not this February, but this this winter winter. at some point. Yeah, Yeah, so Uh, everybody make sure you have your your pipes wrapped. We we, we made that mistake. We we didn't have them wrapped well enough. We didn't have them wrapped for zero-degree weather. Well, and correct. It cost us a lot of money to fix that. Nine eleven Saturday morning on the Bill and Allison Mincaro show on Hill Country Patriot. Glad to have you with us. 
I always like to look at a little Texas history to begin the show. And, uh, oh, also the temperatures. I didn't even do the temperatures. So I talked about how cold it's going to be, but temperatures around the area are in the lower 60s, pretty much uh, between here and uh, in Kerrville. Uh, Mountain Home, 65 right now. Uh, Johnson City, 63. Junction, 61. So there are your temperatures around the area. Uh, if you live in another part of the area, you're about the same. And temperatures will be pleasant today in the mid-80s, they say. Here's something that I bet few people know. I certainly didn't know it until I started doing some research for the show, for shows, uh, shows today. In 1865, pioneer aviator Jacob Friedrich Brodbeck of Fredericksburg may have made the first flight in an airplane almost 40 years before the Wright brothers. No kidding. Where, where, did, he, where did he do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. In a field about three miles east of Luckenbach. Uh-oh. His, he called it an airship, had a propeller powered by coiled springs. He had an enclosed space for what he called the aeronaut, a water propeller in case of accidental landing on water, a compass and a barometer. Uh, the machine rose 12 feet in the air, traveled about 100 feet before the springs unwound completely and the machine crashed to the ground. It was destroyed, unfortunately, but he was fine. Uh, and his investors then wouldn't put up any more money. So he uh, lived on a ranch near Luckenbach until his death in 1910. Huh. So uh, Jacob Friedrich Brodbeck, possibly, probably the first, you know, the Bright Brothers get all the credit, but mm-hmm. he was 40 years before the Wright Brothers. There should be some plaque or statue mm-hmm. of him. In 1867, this week, legendary cattleman Oliver Loving died of gangrene at Fort Sumner, New Mexico, where they claim that Billy the Kid is buried, but we know better, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, he heard about the need for cattle at Fort Sumner. Uh, about 8,000 Indians had been settled on a reservation, so he gathered a herd, combined it with that of Charles Goodnight, and began a long drive to the fort. The route became known as the Goodnight Loving Trail, and that's where he got his fatal wound in an Indian attack. Uh, before Loving died, Goodnight assured him that his wish to be buried in Texas would be carried out, and he's buried in Weatherford, Texas. 9.13 on Saturday morning. In 1964, this week, the Nimitz Museum in Fredericksburg bought the Nimitz Hotel. The hotel was built, they're not sure, in the late 1840s or 50s. Charles Nimitz, grandfather of Admiral Nimitz, bought it in 1855. And a lot of people stayed there, including President Rutherford B. Hayes and Robert E. Lee. Okay. Uh, in 1964, it was 1964, it was renovated and reopened uh, on Admiral Nimitz's birthday as a museum. And at, uh, the Admiral Nimitz Museum is now part of the National Museum of the Pacific War, which everybody knows about, and a tremendous uh, thing for the... Not only for Fredericksburg, for the Hill Country. But events going on today that you need to know about because you might be interested in attending. Uh, tonight, or today rather, at 1 p.m. at the Dieter Center in Kerrville, the Hill... Uh, uh, <laughs> should I be on the radio at all? <laughs> the Kerr County Patriots. Uh, we're having a guest speaker, Joseph Vargas. Uh, the title of this talk is Dealing with the Democrat Modus Operandi. Must be Latin. Uh, he's a strategic commentator, and uh, he will discuss how Democrats change the connotative meaning of words. That's true, they do. They come there so much better at the rhetoric than we are. To deceive and control leftist rhetoric and how to respond to their negative branding. That sounds like a good to- topic. I think I might go to that. One o'clock at the Dieter Center today. Texas State Arts and Crafts Fair today will be from 10 to 5 and tomorrow from 10 to 4 at the Hill Country Arts Foundation, which is uh, by the Point Theater out there in Ingram. 
Uh, they have art, gourmet food, live music, craft beer, and activities for all ages. You get more information at txartsandcraftsfair.com. Today is the last day of Paint Kerrville, an outdoor painters event. Dozens of nationally recognized uh, painters from all over the country to Kirk, come to Kerr County to paint on clean air, which means in the open air. Uh, they So visit the Kerr Arts and Cultural Center uh, downtown to see dozens of paintings created locally during the event. It'll be from 9 to 8 o'clock tonight. Um, from 9 to noon, they have the show and sale and quick draw events in downtown Kerrville from 6 to 8 p.m. That's where the artists quickly draw a painting, and it's pretty amazing to see, and that's between 6 and 8 tonight in downtown Kerrville, and then there'll be a awards presentation and reception. Oh, I'm sorry, the uh, 9 a.m. to noon is the quick draw event, and 6 to 8 is the awards presentation. So more information, go to kaccurville.com or 895-2911. The fourth annual Bernie Beer Fest, B-I-E-R Fest, is back with twenty-five over 25 craft brewers, feats of strengths, artists, and more at Hill Country Council for the Arts. Um, it's uh, putting it on. Uh, it'll be at the Bernie Agricultural Museum and Arts Center, 102 City Park Road in Bernie, today from 11 to 7. So don't miss that. The Kerrville Triathlon Festival is today and tomorrow, September 25 and 26, in Louise Hayes Park in Kerrville. Uh, so don't miss that. There'll be a, a race and ultimate after party with floating in the Guadalupe River and a finisher festival with free food and beer. <laughs> Uh, get more information at Kerrville Tri, T-R-I, KerrvilleTRI.com. Today is Family Free Day at the Museum of Western Art in Kerrville, the last Saturday of every month. For county residents, can tour the museum and take part in activities for free. What else have we got? The Girl Scouts of Fredericksburg are celebrating the 175th anniversary of Fredericksburg and also 100 years of the Girl Scouts of Central Texas with an open house at the Girl Scout Cabin in Fredericksburg tomorrow. Sunday, September 26th from 1 to 5 p.m. Everyone is invited, especially former Girl Scouts and troop leaders. Uh, it's 202 West Austin Street in Fredericksburg. The 38th Annual Kirk County Junior Livestock Show Fundraiser will be today, Saturday, at the Ag Barn. Of we course. Know, we know it as the Ag Barn Youth Event Center. Happy State for, Bank Center. We haven't been there for a while. I, we, there's so many activities, though. Social begins at 5 p.m. today. Dinner served at 6.30 and auction and dancing to follow. That's the Kirk County Junior Livestock Show fundraiser for the kids. Tonight, the 25th Scholarship Fest presented by Gillespie County Fairgrounds and Exhibition Hall in Fredericksburg. Scholarships for graduating seniors in Gillespie County. Food and drink, silent and live auctions, and a prize drawing for thousands of dollars in prizes. Gates open at 4 o'clock today. Dinner will serve, be served at 6.30 p.m. and toss 20 bucks Per person at the gate, kids age 14 and under are free. Also in Fredericksburg, the Heritage School fundraising event will be tonight at the Vista Oaks Event Center, which is on East Highway 290 in Fredericksburg, uh, 8192 if you want to log it into your GPS, 8192 East Highway Street. East, I'm not Highway Street, East Highway 290. Uh, that'll be at 630. Uh, costs $125 per person, but... They say, well, that's a lot for dinner. Well, no, it's a fundraiser for the Heritage School's Tuition Assistance Program. Uh, the event is open to everyone. It'll have uh, an Austin-based 80s cover band, sit-down dinner, beer and wine, several auctions, and dancing. So dress up in your 
favorite 80s getup and join in the fun. For more information, you can call 998-5252. couple more. Junction Area Farmer's Market today and each Saturday from 9 to noon. No charge to attend. Family, friends, and pets are welcome at the Junction City Park. And Johnson City Market Days are today. Flea markets and trade days with items in Johnson City. That'll be held at 100 East Main Street. 919 on a Saturday morning. A beautiful Saturday morning. It's going to be a great day today, as I said before. And uh, it's Bill and Allison Mancaro, as far as I know. Yes, it on is. On the radio. Every Saturday at 9 a.m. It's correct. Uh, at Hill Country Patriot Radio. Uh, before we take a break, I want to just mention something rather shocked Lee Greenwood, and it shocked me too. Uh, Lee Greenwood is no longer a member of the National Council on the Arts. He's been fired by Joe Biden. <laughs> he said, I was shocked to tell you the truth. I didn't get a phone call, a letter, just an email. And of course, his song, God Bless the USA, has been played, you know, hundreds of, of events. Uh, he, he was first appointed to the Arts Council by President George W. Bush. Uh, Barack Obama had no problem with him serving on the council. Donald Trump didn't, but... Uh, Joe Biden did, so he was fired. Huh. The Arts Council. Time to take a break, Allison? I think it's time to take a break. Coming up after the break, what will be the real cost of the worst foreign policy disaster in history? The defeat of the U.S. in Afghanistan. We have an exclusive interview with Michael Taylor, financial columnist for the San Antonio Express News. You're wonderful and great. Boldest and grandest, withstanding every test. Oh, empire wide and glorious, you stand supremely blessed. Texas, oh, Texas, your freeborn single star sends out its radiance to nations near and far. Emblem of freedom, it sets our hearts aglow with thoughts of San Jacinto and glorious Alamo. God bless you, Texas, and keep you brave and strong, that you may grow in power and work throughout the ages long. God bless you, Texas, and keep you brave and strong, that you may grow in power and work throughout the ages long. news where his column the smart money sa appears every sunday he's the author of the financial rules for new college graduates invest before paying off debt and other tips your professor didn't teach you michael's blog is www.bankers-anonymous.com michael's mission is making complex financial topics simple well welcome michael Bill and Allison, thanks so much for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you both. Well, thank you. We've been friends for a long time. Michael has yes. uh, has actually, uh, we, we put on uh, a financial event uh, 
every uh, year, and M- Michael has spoken uh, at it uh, several times, and uh, always a very popular speaker, and very bright guy. So we're happy to happy to have you, Michael. Uh, Thank you so much. You recently wrote a column uh, for the uh, Houston and San Antonio papers, uh, and you call it applying a smart money analysis to the costly failure in Afghanistan. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, every one of our listeners would agree that Afghanistan was a costly failure. We're not going to disagree with you on that. What is a smart money analysis? What I mean by that is there's lots of ways to discuss war. There's geopolitics and there's human costs and the morality of it and the politics of it. But And those are all important, arguably just as are more important. But smart money just means I'm a finance guy. Let's talk about the finances. Let's talk about the costs in dollars and cents terms, not just human terms or moral terms. All right. Well, let's do that. Uh, hey, I know you've done a lot of research on this. It's not easy to numbers are not easy to come by, um, you know, particularly since it's so new. Uh, what have you been able to find out about what was and is and the future of <laughs> financial <laughs> costs of uh, our exploit into Afghanistan? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I think there are probably three levels we could talk about costs. The government comes out with its costs, and then there's a couple of in-depth looks that have come from academia that are really important. So the initial level, which is what the Department of Defense reports, is $837 billion. And then there's a group called the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, and they talk about $148 billion. And to make that kind of easy to remember, the combination of reconstruction and war making is a trillion dollars. So that's your baseline cost, and I would call that the level one analysis of how much this cost. Simple, it's simple to remember, a uh, trillion dollars. It's hard for our brains to understand numbers that big. I have a hard time even, <laughs> you know, we can't picture it. But you start with a trillion. I would say that's level one. Um, do you have any questions about that? Or I can go to level two and talk about what the next way to analyze it is. So the, the, the bottom line is over, did, did I understand you say it's over $1 trillion of the T? Yeah, that's the original reporting from a combination of Department of Defense. They say this is what it costs to make war in Afghanistan, $837 billion. Okay. And then the other government accounting, $148 billion, that's what it costs to reconstruct the country over the past 20 you. years. All right. So we got a, a trillion so, dollars out the door, officially reported, and we know that we got uh, essentially now in 2021 very little to show for it, both the construction um, and okay. now, you know, the Taliban's back in power, of course. So that's right. a trillion dollars. Yeah. And what's level two? So level two is uh, put together what are going to be the costs going forward. We have a tremendous number of veterans who serve overseas, and we owe a duty to take care of them. So you can estimate a couple of major cost categories for taking care of veterans for the rest of their life. And when you've been in a veteran in, a, in the field deployed to Afghanistan, a couple of major costs come up. One is, do you qualify for disability? And there's some very specific things to the Afghanistan war about folks who do qualify for disability. And that involves a, a payment. You know, you get income to replace lost income due to disability. And the other is healthcare costs. And both of those are trending much higher than previous wars. So I can break those down for you if it's okay. But I'll give you the bottom line is it's at least another trillion to take care of veterans for the next 30 years. Um, but the a little bit of breakdown with what's inside that trillion dollar floor 
is uh, one is disability. So if you've served and you've been disabled, you can apply for uh, for uh, payments as to replace lost income, and that's just a it's like a payment, like a Social Security disability, but it's specific to veterans. Sixty percent of veterans have qualified for some form of disability, and of those. Uh, sorry, 60% have qualified for a 60% disability. The percent disability determines how much money you get because it's replacing lost income. So that's one thing. And both of those are the number of people qualifying and the level of disability is very, very high. Uh, and that's estimated between 1.2 to 1.5 trillion between Iraq and Afghanistan. So we'll, we'll take half of that as Afghanistan. And then the next is uh, healthcare costs, which is both through Veterans Administration and other payments for the both Iraq and Afghanistan wars, another 900 billion. You, if you take each of those numbers, you get to roughly a trillion dollars. Uh, and that's a floor for taking care of our soldiers and uh, Defense Department people who served overseas and qualify for veterans care. Now, I, I, that's another big number. <laughs> I, oh, for sure. I, I, now, I think you mentioned that the Afghanistan war uh, we have a high, higher number of um, injured uh, veterans. Is did I understand? more costly? I believe. M- m- more costly. It- yeah. So it's it has to do with when you're estimating who, how many, what percentage of veterans have applied for and been uh, granted a disability uh, designation, and that's higher than normal. So it, it's sort okay. of different from are people literally? Can you look at their leg and the leg is you know injured? But it's there's lots of re- reasons you could be disabled. It could be mental illness. It could be PTSD. It exactly. could be physically observable. So lots of ways to, to be qualified as disabled. Uh, all I can say is, in brief, that the percentage of veterans who served overseas in those two wars is is trending much higher than previous wars. Okay. That yep. may, that may be, I, I'm not sure. I couldn't really explain that. You, it could be because we understand things like PTSD in a way we didn't before. Uh, but or it could be other reasons. That, well, well, that could be. We we know someone uh, here locally uh, who served in Iraq, and he has PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I suspect um, anecdotally that you know, post Vietnam, we didn't really understand those kinds of effects, and certainly World War II, uh, we didn't understand those kinds of effects. Mm-hmm. So people are qualifying for disability at a much higher rate, and then the percentage of disability, which is just a how much income could you get in payments at uh, at 60% or more is also much higher than previous wars. So the estimates that are come out of a woman named Linda Blind Bilms at Harvard combines the Iraq and Afghanistan wars to come up with a 2.2 to 2.5 trillion estimate, half that for Afghanistan. You're talking about at least a trillion dollars to care for veterans. Wow. Okay. Okay. And was there a third level or did you include that in yeah. your, okay. No, level three, there's studies, something called the cost of war project comes out of Brown university. And uh, this is an even bigger number. <laughs> the headline from just this month was the Pentagon maybe spent $14 trillion on the Afghanistan war. So then you go, well, they're reporting about a billion, plus we know about another billion care of veterans. Where does the $14 trillion come for? And this is, again, estimates. But this, is, this will make sense, I think, to your listeners and to you all. So the, the Pentagon has uh, – it, it's basically in the form of military contracting. So the, there are some numbers out from – Brown University, the five biggest military contractors, that's names we've mostly heard of, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, General Dynamics, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman. These are people who make rockets and all the, all the stuff that we're really good at making. Um, they, uh, that's, where the, that's where this $14 trillion number is included because 
while the Department of Defense is reporting upwards of $800 billion in costs, they're also purchasing weapons and doing research and development through military contractors. So just to, just to put an easy number of it, from 2001 to 2020, those five companies got $2.1 trillion in Pentagon contracts. Um, in the last two years, when the war is very at its sort of low-level embers, 2019 and 2020, those five companies got $286 billion in contracts. So there's just an extraordinary expense that doesn't show up as direct. This is what we're spending in Afghanistan, but it shows up in contracting for the biggest weapons manufacturers, the missiles, the, you know, sure. I assume drone drone missiles don't come cheap, right? So, sure, sure. So, so, so the, their estimate is that if you put all that together, you're looking at $14 trillion. So it's a level three analysis. It's not what, what, what did we spend literally to be putting people into Afghanistan, but Research development and weapons procurement is an extraordinary cost that if you're not at war, you're probably not doing that quite to the level that we've been doing it the mm-hmm. last well, wars, 20 years. Wars, to for some people, are very profitable. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so one of the interesting things about as we were um, coming out of Afghanistan, there was an entire, you know, lots to be upset about, about the way in which we left Afghanistan. But one of the upsetting things to me, as somebody who's pretty opposed to the, the war in the first place, the war, you know, going on for two decades, yeah. is is this, um, there seemed to be an agenda for, we have to continue, like we have to, we have to continue the overseas wars. And if you're a very cynical person and you follow the money, as I am both in certain respects, <laughs> there are, as you said, there's a lot of people, a lot of contracting that goes on when you're at war. And so, yeah, a lot of people can get rich and then they would have an agenda to, Let's just continue the war. Let's just have yet another surge, or let's, you know, let's let's keep this at a low level because obviously that's where you can have another trillion, another trillion. Absolutely, <laughs> that's, that's my cynical view on it. So. Well, I, you know, it's it's mine too. And uh, you know, when you read history, as as you have in monetary history, uh, we know, for example, that the uh, among others, the Rothschild family uh, would finance both sides of, of a war. Uh, and profit profit from both sides, uh, so it's uh, well. It, you, you always there's an old saying: follow the money, and that's that's uh, yeah. certainly accurate there. And and my, my, Michael made a reference um, a minute ago, and this was something I didn't even realize. I did not realize number one, this is the longest war, the longest lasting war we have ever been involved in, and that has lasted for twenty years. And we just did a show couple weeks ago on September 11th, and Bill has a statistic on how many people were not even alive 20 years ago. And Bill, Bill, about, 20, but, well, about 20% of the uh, U.S. population uh, has no memory of 9-11, whether they were not born right. yet or they were too or young. Or they were too young. Yeah. yeah. For sure, the last wave of deployments to Afghanistan, the, the, the boots on the ground, they would have not been born when 9-11 happened, right? Wow. There 19, you go. 18, 19 deployed. Yeah. Uh, which is a it's a very bizarre the, the forever war idea is very troubling yes i think to most people uh, yeah. as it is to me yeah um and so whether you're talking about a one trillion dollar cost or a two trillion dollar cost or somewhere between two and 14 trillion uh, I, I mean the only way to prevent this kind of thing if you believe in um fiscal austerity or <laughs> can we shrink the size of government i think the the most important thing is to not get in the war in the first place, but if you do, get out as quickly as possible. I think we failed both those tests 20 years ago, again, you know, 10 years ago. Exactly. Uh, it's exactly. incredibly upsetting. Exactly. exactly. But there, you know, there's, uh, 
it's tough to uh, institute a policy like that because uh, a lot of people have uh, agendas that are uh, yeah. uh, make make uh, foreign intervention. Uh, you know, if the hot and tots fight the hot and toots, we got to take a side and and uh, finance or both sides, as the case may be. Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth the First of England, as you may know, uh, became famous for not wanting to go to war. Uh, in fact, the only war that I'm aware of that uh, happened under her reign uh, wasn't even a war. It was when the Spanish Armada. Uh, came to invade England, and uh, they were prepared to defend their homeland. But uh, I have a quote from her, by the way, that, you, Michael, you might find of interest. By the way, we are talking with Michael Taylor, who's the financial columnist for the Houston Chronicle and the San Antonio Express News. Uh, his column, The Smart Money Essay, appears every Saturday. Sunday. Uh, I'm Sunday. sorry, Sunday. And he's the author of The Financial Rules for New College Graduates, Invest Before Paying Off Debt, and Other Tips Your Professor Didn't Teach You. So I highly recommend that you go out and get Michael Taylor's book, um, the quote from Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth I of England, monarchs ought to put to death the authors, put to death, now catch that, <laughs> put to death the authors and instigators of war as their sworn enemies and as dangers to their states. <laughs> Powerful words. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Bill and Allison, I appreciate talking to you all because you have a view of politics and a view of history, and it's the kind of thing we need. Um, and in order to have fruitful arguments and discussions about current events, we have to have stuff in the past. So it's always interesting to talk to you all about that. Well, thank you. We <laughs> feel you. we feel the same way, Michael. And uh, I think we're un unfortunately running out of time. Uh, did you? I'll give you the last word on uh, on on this subject of uh, the cost of Afghanistan. All I can say is that in the future, the smart money thing would be to avoid future wars, avoid future entanglements, and we can save trillions, I suspect, if we can do that. All right. Michael Taylor, thank you for joining us. Financial columnist for the Houston Chronicle and the San Antonio Express News. Again, uh, he's the author of The Financial Rules for New College Graduates, Invest Before Paying Off Debt, and Other Tips Your Professor Didn't Teach You. And visit his website. Uh, he writes a blog and has a lot of interesting stuff there. Uh, it's www.bankersanonymous, and there's a dash between bankers and anonymous, so it's B-A-N-K-E-R-S-A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, bankersanonymous.com. Coming up after the break, the Taliban opens a chain of U.S. Army supply stores. You'll hear all about it. Edwin Starr, the famous Edwin Starr, one-hit wonder, <laughs> called War. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Well, I don't buy that. It's, I think uh, that was popularized uh, during the Vietnam War. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, obviously to defend the country, uh, your country, a war is sometimes necessary. And that's, of course, what Queen Elizabeth I thought. 
9.45 on Saturday morning with the Bill and Allison Mancaro Show. Glad you're joining us on Hill Country Patriot, 104.3 in Kerrville and Harper, 102.1 Fredericksburg and Stonewall. And where else, Allison? Hello, are you there? <laughs> on the web at... Oh, hillcountrypatriot.com. Yes, indeed. Uh... What did you think of that interview with Michael Taylor? I thought that was great. Yeah. I thought, yeah. I thought that, I'm glad he was available to, uh, to I, do it. I, uh, I have a quote here from George Washington's farewell address, which he gave in 1796. Uh, he died in 1799, so this would be uh, three years before he died about. Um, and so he was uh, leaving Washington, no longer president, or he's leaving the presidency. And he said, quote, it is our true policy to steer clear of permanent alliances with any portion of the foreign world. The great rule for us in regard to foreign nations is in extending our commercial relations, but to have with them as little political connection as possible. Steer clear of permanent alliances with any portion mm-hmm. of the foreign world. Extend our commercial relations, but have as little political connection as possible. George Washington. Uh, I think that still holds true in uh, the United States, Allison? No, it doesn't. Because Harry Truman came along, and in March of 1947, he established the Truman Doctrine. And that is that the United States would provide political, military, and economic assistance to all democratic nations under threat from external or internal authoritarian forces. So that's, that, that's why we're in so many wars. So Harry Truman, yeah. So he was the ne- he was the father of neocons, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, Washington's hope that the U.S. would end permanent alliances with foreign nations uh, um, actually was codified, uh, put into law in 1800, a year after uh, year after he died, with the Treaty of Mont- Morte Fontaine, uh, and it further realized with the Monroe Doctrine, which doesn't uh, apply here anymore, apparently. Uh, which said, which promised that the United States would not interfere in European affairs so long as the nations of Europe did not seek to colonize or interfere uh, with uh, the newly independent Latin American nations in Central and South America. Hmm. So that was the deal. It says, we won't, you know, you want to go fight uh, in Europe and, uh, you know, have your wars, go ahead, but don't, we're not going to get involved. Uh, but don't you get involved in the Western Hemisphere either. Uh, so... Actually, the United States didn't enter into any permanent military alliances with foreign nations until under Harry Truman, uh, and uh, and then NATO, of course. Right. Uh, which, uh, if any country is attacked uh, that's a member of NATO, we are obliged to go to war for, uh, to defend them. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what we got there. Nine forty-eight on a Saturday morning with Bill and Allison Mencaro. Well, well, I had promised to uh, tell you what's going o- over. In Afghanistan, and I have a story, uh, Dateline Kabul, and what it says is, now that Allah has seen fit to bless the Taliban with bountiful weapons and equipment from the U.S. military, terrorists around Afghanistan have built an already thriving chain of U.S. Army surplus stores. We need weapons to kill (laughs) and subjugate the Afghan people under Sharia law, but there's too much gear here, said local Taliban leader Bob Muhammad. There's Bob like, Mohammed. Bob Mohammed. <laughs> There's like billions of dollars and 20 years worth of weaponry around here. And now I can build a thriving, thriving business out of selling my 
my wares to uh, other terrorist folk who who just happen to be uh, passed through. I'll be praised. Wow. Now, although the... Bob Muhammad, huh? Bob <laughs> said that? Bob said that. Okay. Uh, and although the merchandise will not be available to the general public for obvious reasons, Muhammad's army su- su- surplus will feature a full selection of deadly weaponry, ammunition, combat boots, MREs, helmets, hashish, and whatever else a soldier of Allah may need. If successful, Bob Muhammad hopes to open more stores in Iraq and Syria. Well, How about very that? good. Very good. I, hey, uh, that's our little, uh, little... Seth has his comedy hour, and so do we, I guess. Comedy <laughs> that, corner. That, 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 of course, was from the yeah, Babylon Bee. Yeah. Uh, 949, almost 950 on a Saturday morning with Bill and Allison and Carol. I've, uh, well, something I did want to say about this whole Afghan, I'm not going to introduce another topic, but the, uh, I'm going to stay on this for just a minute. It's a related topic. And that is, you can learn some things from Professor Anthony Sutton. Professor Anthony Sutton, uh, was, he's no longer living, uh, a PhD Dr. Anthony Sutton at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University, which is a research uh, institution and very well respected. And he wrote several books. He did a lot of original research, tremendously footnoted, about how the United States, individuals, the United States government, it was United States policy, uh, and coupled with Wall Street, mega rich people, financed Lenin. In the Soviet U- to overthrow the uh, Tsar in the Soviet Union, the Tsar, who was friendly to the United States, was overthrown with Wall Street money and U.S. government cooperation. Lenin took a train after he was exiled. The Tsar exiled Lenin, and he was nothing then. But he came back into Russia uh, secretly with a train with I think it was a hundred million in gold. Where do you think he got that? Where do you get a hundred million gold? He got it from Wall Street. Sure. Uh, he wrote. Uh, Dr. Anthony Sutton wrote a book about that. He also wrote a book about how Wall Street and, again, the U.S. government financed and helped Hitler rise to power. Uh, and, of course, we know a lot about that. If you study uh, the uh, um, uh, uh, history, uh, our uh, ambassador to Germany uh, was pro-Hitler at one point, uh, and certainly uh, Joseph Kennedy, who was ambassador to England, was pro-Hitler. And uh, Hitler rose to power, again, with Wall Street money. And this is all documented, very scholarly work, uh, but it's certainly worth reading. Uh, so if you, uh, wherever you buy your books, look for Dr. Anthony Sutton, S-U-T-T-O-N, uh, and his books on uh, how Wall Street and uh, the Nazis and Wall Street and uh, the Soviet Union. 9.52 on a Saturday morning, and... Uh, we are wrapping up rapidly. Boy, did the time go fast. It I've got a does. pile of stuff to talk about. Does. I've got a pile of stuff to talk about, Allison. Um, Project Veritas published a video from a hidden camera this week that featured U.S. Food and Drug Administration, you know, the FDA economist Taylor Lee, calling for forced COVID vaccinations and a registry for all unvaccinated Americans. Can you believe that? He said that due to a large portion of the African-American community being hesitant to take the COVID vaccine, uh, it's not a vaccine, by the way, it's a gene-changing uh, experimental drug. It's not a vaccine. It doesn't fit the typical 
definition of vaccine. But uh, we're not ready to go into that at the moment. But he says uh, the, the way to get people to have the vaccine is to use a, quote, blow dart, unquote, on them. I'm not making this up. He's on video saying it. He said you can play with statistics to show the information the way you want to present it, he says in the video. Now, this is an economist at the FDA. He said, quote, go to the unvaccinated and blow, blow the vaccine into them, blow dart it into them, unquote. Quote, census goes door to door if you don't respond. So we do have the infrastructure to do make forced COVID vaccinations. Quote, again, quote, I mean, it'll cost a ton of money, but I think at this point there needs to be a registry of people who aren't vaccinated. Although I admit that's sounding very much like Nazi Germany, but Nazi Germany, I mean, think about it like the Jewish star for unvaccinated Americans. He said, I'm going to go door to door and stab everyone with the COVID vaccine. Oh, it's just your booster shot. There you go. Again, quoting this FDA economist. So if you put every anti-vaxxer like sheep into like Texas and you close off Texas from the rest of the world and you go, okay, you be you in Texas until we deal this pandemic. That's the only thing he said that I agree with. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's Texas be Texas. And, uh, you know, we need a wall. You know, we need a border wall around Texas, I think, is uh, for <laughs> what we need. 9.54 Saturday morning, Bill and Allison and Carol wrapping up. And we'll be right back. Welcome back. We're Bill and Allison Mencaro. Certainly are. Hill Country Patriots. 957 at 104.3 Kerrville and Harper, 102.1 in Fredericksburg and Stonewall. Glad to have you with us. Looking at the news, uh, <laughs> a French school has asked parents to stop throwing their children over the fence when they're running <laughs> late for school. <laughs> Trillade Primary School in Avignon. Avignon has asked parents to stop throwing their kids over the high, to the high fence to get them to school. They put up signs to try to stop them from tossing children over the fence. The sign warns of the danger of throwing a child over the fence. Really? Really? They, in France, they need a sign that says, don't throw your children over a fence? Wow. wow. See, maybe you shouldn't be having children if, you're, if, you, if you don't know that. I would say, well, you know, a lot of people shouldn't be having children, I'll tell you that. Uh, we're wrapping up this morning. We always like to bookend our show with a Verses from the Bible, we did at the beginning, and we're now doing it again. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not into your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. And that's something that, uh, again, I, I mentioned at the top of the show when I quoted from Isaiah, uh, that's a good memory verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It was my first memory verse when I became a believer, when I when I realized my election as friend says uh but it's a good memory verse trust in the lord with all your heart lean not into your own understanding but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths you've been listening to the bill and allison mincaro show heard each saturday 9 to 10 a.m on the hill country patriots